0: You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Reader's Corner, Part 1. And that's that. Dear Editor, May I have just a little room in the Reader's Corner to answer Mr. Meek's argument and defend myself from the charge of hasty reading? You will remember that I did not write my letter immediately after the publication of the first Heaviside Layer story, but waited until the appearance of the second, a cooling-off period of three months. In that time I re-read the story and considered it at length. I don't call that hasty reading. Besides, the flaw in the story is so obvious that even a hasty reading should suffice to find it. I can't argue about the matter of meteors because Mr. Meek has not given any figures concerning the density or viscosity of his medium. But I can say that to my way of thinking any astronomer could detect the effect of such friction on the action of meteors. They should certainly be consumed much more rapidly than if they merely struck thin air. That, however, is a minor point, and I wouldn't even mind conceding it to Mr. Meek. The point I now wish to make is much more important, and in my mind establishes the falsity of Mr. Meek's premises. In the July issue of Astounding Stories, page 7, paragraph 4, sentences 14 and 15, He states that the heaviside layer is composed of a liquid of high viscosity. By definition, a liquid is more dense than a gas. Therefore, the heaviside layer, according to Mr. Meek, is denser than the atmosphere of the Earth, since the former is a liquid and the latter is a gas. The increased refraction of light as it entered our atmosphere would then be noticeable. Astronomers can even now detect refraction due to the air, THE SUN REMAINS VISIBLE FOR SOME TIME AFTER IT HAS ACTUALLY DESCENDED BELOW THE HORIZON, DUE TO REFRACTION. IF THERE WAS A DENSER SUBSTANCE THAN AIR SURROUNDING THE EARTH, THE REFRACTION WOULD BE MUCH GREATER. FINALLY, HOW COULD THE ATMOSPHERE SUPPORT A DENSER SUBSTANCE LIKE THE heaviside LAYER? I'D SURE MAKE FOR COVER IF I REALLY BELIEVED THAT SUCH A MENACE EXISTED RIGHT OVER MY HEAD. SORRY TO TAKE UP YOUR SPACE SO MUCH BY AN ARGUMENT but your comments on my letter really called for a defense. I hope you can find room for this. Philip Waite, 3400 Wayne Avenue, New York, New York. Dear Editor, Since Mr. Waite has so generously admitted the validity of my answer to his criticism as regards Meteors, I can do no less than admit that he scored one against me in his second argument. I used the word liquid. It was careless diction. Had I used the phrase composed of a substance of high viscosity, of low specific gravity, and with a coefficient of refraction identical with that of air, there would have been no argument. I am sure that Mr. Waite will admit after reflection that such a substance could be held in position, if its specific gravity were low enough, by a combination of gravity and centrifugal force, somewhat in the same manner as the ring of Saturn is held in place. Of course, any idea that the layer rested on the air and was supported in place by it would be untenable. As I said in my previous letter, I don't believe such a layer exists. If it does, I hope that no one proves it before I can get some characters off on a space flyer for an interplanetary adventure or two. S. P. Meek, Captain, Ordnance Department, U.S.A. Right from the shoulder, dear editor, I know for a fact that Astounding Stories is the best science fiction magazine on the stands. I have read it every issue except the first three, and have not yet found a bad story. The characters in other science fiction magazines seem like machines, but Astounding Stories characters seem like intimate friends. Why do, censored, like some, write in and start bellyaching about the cover, pages, the size, the edges, and many other things that no one but censored would notice? If they know so much, why don't they start a magazine and put all other publications out of business? If they liked the stories, they would not care if the color of the cover was black or red, white, and blue. I get so interested in the stories that the edges of the paper do not amount to anything. And people that bellyache about such minor things prove that they do not care for the stories, and furthermore they prove that they are censored. And censored. Ready for the booby hatch. There is only one thing wrong with the perfect magazine. It does not come out twice a month. I have never known a bunch of editors that have the intelligence of the staff of Astounding Stories, uncensored editor. They have never published a single story that any intelligent reader could kick about. About reprints, whether the editors think that they should publish some or not, it is all the same to me, as they know what they are doing. I should like very much to see some stories by Burroughs, though. IF I WERE TO NAME YOUR BEST AUTHORS, I WOULD HAVE TO NAME EVERY ONE THAT EVER WROTE A STORY FOR YOUR WONDERFUL MAGAZINE. H. N. SAGER, R. F. D. 6, BOX 419, BESSEMER, ALABAMA. DISPOSING OF OLD STORIES Dear Editor, I have observed that numerous readers request reprints. I have a collection that goes back to 1900. Since I have no more use for them, I have decided to dispense with them. Here is an infinitesimal list. A. Merritt, Through the Dragon Glass, The Moon Pool, The Metal Monster, and The Ship of Ishtar, Homer Eon Flint, Out of the Moon, The Planeteer, The King of Conserve Island, The Blind Spot, and Flint and Hall, Jules Black, Beyond the Earth Atom, and Marooned in Space, John Lewis Hill, The Dimension Wizard, and The Challenge from Beyond, Davidson mortimer lost in time and the amazing empire lost in time sequel to story previously mentioned booth langle the moons of LANISAR. as i said before this is but a small part of the science fiction stories i have anyone desiring stories mentioned above or any others please write to me george zambach 459 east 155th street new york new york a kind offer. Dear editor, I'm sure you will sympathize with me for reading your magazine in study hall. It is so very dull. I have three study halls in a row, that I have to do something to relieve the monotony. So, oh, seeing the latest copy of A.S. at my news dealers, I brought it back to school after dinner. I am speaking of the February number. I very much enjoyed the Dr. Bird story. Captain Meek is always good. Phalanxes of Atlans— Promises to be an excellent story also. What I want to know is, why are so many mossbacks throwing brickbats? What does it matter if some of the stories are not on the scientific chalk line? A very wise man once said that variety is the spice of life. So why not take a hint some of you would-be brickbat pitchers and pipe down? I have read every issue of Astounding Stories published so far, and have not a brickbat to report as yet. I notice in one letter to the reader's corner a request for a Department on Rocket Propulsion. I presume the writer meant on propelling rocket planes. I have experimented on rocket ships for the past three years, and can give some data on these as to the construction of models. For when I say ships, I really mean model airplanes. I have had this as my hobby for the past four and a half years, and can give extensive information on model building. I specialize in models powered by power other than rubber, and I took second place at the Atlantic City Tournament held in October by the National Playground Association in the annual national championships. Anyone desiring information on the rocket ship or any other type of model plane will be promptly answered by addressing their letter to me. I hope you will find room to publish this, as I like nothing better than helping someone get started on my favorite hobby, aviation. I have, however, several hobbies, including football, basketball, tennis, swimming, boating, and hiking. I live within ten miles of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, and can see from the study hall window, which I am now seated near to, three ranges of the mountains all covered with more than ten inches of snow. Richard M. Evans, Box 305, Maryville, Tennessee. To the Defense Dear Editor, some of the letters you have printed in the reader's corner almost burn me up. Edwin C. Magnuson asks you what you print there. Only letters praising your magazine to the skies, or occasional brickbats? Well, I might say one thing, and that is, if you did print all brickbats, as he seems to want you to, the readers would think that your magazine wasn't of so much account if that was the kind of letters you got all the time, and would probably quit reading it. He also said he felt like quitting several times because the stories weren't scientific. Well, if he can show me anywhere on your magazine where it says it is a scientific magazine, I'll certainly beg his most humble pardon on Bended Knee. He also crabbed about your artists. If he can do better, I advise you to hire him. He also says that the paper is rotten, and that after a few handlings goes to pieces. I still have all my magazines, and have lent them several times, and the paper is still there. On his fifth statement I agree with him. You should have an editorial. Also, I would certainly like to have reprints, as there are about six issues I didn't get, and I imagine there are several other readers in the same boat. Hume v. Stefani makes a very good suggestion about a quarterly. I certainly think it would be appreciated, and would go over big. And, Robert J. Hyatt, I most certainly agree with you in your letter printed in the February issue. And if this letter is printed, which I hope it is, I hope you will see it, and know that at least one person has the same views on the magazine that you do. Buell Godwin, 101 3rd Avenue, Southeast, Lamars, Iowa. Now a Real Pest Dear Editor, I have recently been initiated into the reading of science fiction, and as a result I am now a real pest to the magazine vendor from asking for the next copy of Astounding Stories. I have just finished your February copy— and words can't express my enjoyment. The Tentacles from Below is indeed a science-fiction masterpiece. I devour eagerly Captain S. P. Meek's stories about Dr. Bird. As long as you keep Meek, you can be assured that I will purchase this magazine. The Pirate Planet proved to be a story worthy to be kept as a reprint for future issues. In fact, many of your stories are so good that it is a shame that others can't enjoy them in future issues of astounding stories. Wesso is a great artist, and I appreciate to the fullest extent his remarkable pictures. Yours for a continuation of your present success in editing and publishing remarkable stories Lester P Lieber five hundred forty two Dalzell Street, Shreveport, Louisiana Stands Pat Dear Editor, although this is my first letter to the reader's corner of your publication, I have nevertheless been a consistent reader of the magazine since its inception. Contrary to many of your correspondents, I have nothing to say against your magazine or policy. I like its size, its artists, and most of its stories. I shall not bother to name those I do not like, because I do not believe that there is a magazine to be found that can publish stories to suit all its readers. I enjoy the serials and your two-part novelettes, since it gives one something to look forward to each month. I enjoyed The Pirate Planet by Charles W. Diffin so much I was sorry to see it end and I hope there will be more of his work in the future. I am particularly glad to see such writers as Captain S. P. Meek, Ray Cummings, Miles J. Brewer, Victor Rousseau, and Harl Vincent as regular contributors to your pages. But there are also a number of other writers whom I miss seeing in our mag. Of these are A. Hyatt Verrill, who writes so well of the Incas, Otis Adelbert Klein, who also gives us excellent stories, and Leslie F. Stone, whose Men with Wings and Women with Wings appeared in another magazine, and which I enjoyed exceedingly. I believe that to have these writers as regular contributors would add much to the interest of the publication. With the compliments of an avid reader of science fiction, I salute you. Theodore Morris, 1412 Southwest 13th Street, Miami, Florida. Under My Collar. Dear Editor, I have been reading astounding stories for a good while, and I like it fine. I noticed in your last issue that a fellow by the name of Edwin C. Magnuson was kicking about the reader's corner. Some of his reasons, I think, for not liking this magazine are as follows. First, the illustrations are poor. I believe they are good. Second, he says that he doesn't like stories such as those written by Charles W. Diffin, Jackson Gee, "'Murray, Leinster, and Victor Rousseau. "'He also has in his letter a list of authors whose works he likes. "'I do not think they are so hot, with the exception of Captain S. P. Meek. "'Mr. Magnuson also says he is disgusted with astounding stories "'and would like to quit reading it. "'Well, why doesn't he? "'I want to say it is a fine mag. "'I don't like to be a critic, but that fellow got under my collar. "'The only thing that could be done... Is to publish at least twice a month. Well, I reckon I will sign off. Here is to Astounding Stories. A better mag can't be found. Boyd H. Goodman, 2008 McKinney Avenue, Dallas, Texas. From Franklin to Poe. Dear Editor, As a reader of Astounding Stories from the first number, I would like to comment on your magazine regarding your stories and the subject of reprints. First, You are publishing one of the best science fiction magazines on the market, and I read three of them. And although I agree with Mr. Magnuson and others on the subject of reprints, I do not agree with the former that the paper is rotten and falls to pieces. I have a complete file of astounding stories to date, and I have not noticed any signs of disintegration amongst them as yet. You could easily follow the suggestion of Mr. Stefani, and have a space for good reprints and charge a nickel more. I believe most of your readers would approve of it. The story The Sunken Empire was fine, and it is to the credit of science fiction that, in addition to interesting readers in other worlds, it has also created an interest in the fate of lands from which the Atlantic Ocean received its name. This story is reminiscent of a story which appeared in the Saturday Evening Post about three years ago, called Maricott Deep. In this story a party of men, three, I believe, descended to the bottom of the Atlantic and found a surviving colony from Atlantis and saw reproduced on a screen events leading up to the sinking of Atlantis. It was written by the late Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and the only weak spot was that Sir Arthur had to change the submergence of Atlantis from a natural catastrophe into a judgment of the gods, whose sense of propriety was outraged by the wickedness of the Atlanteans. If you reprinted this story, your readers would eat it up. I hope that you publish this letter, because I want to reply through your Reader's Corner to Mr. Richard Lewis of Knoxville, Iowa, on the subject of reprints. Mr. Lewis says he has read most of the classic scientific stories referred to. Well, so have I. But I should like to read many of them again, as would many of your readers. I have for the last twenty years been reading literary classics, but when I receive my copies of Good Literature or The Golden Book, I do not consider myself cheated, because I find some stories in them that I have read before. The best are always worth reading at least twice. As an illustration, has Mr. Lewis ever read the following? The Kasida by Sir Richard Burton, who gave the world its best literal translation of the Arabian Nights, which differs as daylight from dark in comparison with the Lane and Payne translations, which are only edited for children to read or has he read the chapter which Benjamin Franklin added to the Bible? If Mr. Lewis read these for the first time in any magazine he takes, he would no doubt consider them well worth the price of the magazine or more. Yet they would be reprints. The last one about as old as the United States. The Casida is a long poem on philosophic aspects of evolution in which almost all science fiction readers are interested. It contains lines like the following conscience was bred when man had shed his fur his tail and pointed ears and as a dissertation on our caveman ancestors they fought for women as for food when maize awoke to warm desire and this the lust that changed to love when fancy lent a purer fire regarding the franklin chapter it is stated that wise old ben used to insert it between the pages of the bible and read it to his friends in the city of brotherly love and great was the consternation of many who thought they knew the scriptures from cover to cover. Any new readers of science fiction would be glad to read The Girl in the Golden Atom, The Fire People, and The Man Who Mastered Time by Ray Cummings. I like to read this author's work, but I believe when he wrote this trilogy of matter, space, and time that he reached the heights of his writing. I have never read any subsequent writings of his that I thought exceeded them. Speaking of the necessity of author's eating, Mr. Lewis states that good stories have never been written on an empty stomach. Edgar Allan Poe, who wrote Shades, was one of the most brilliant of American writers, and his stomach was empty most of the time, and when this master of ratiocination had on rare occasions a full stomach, it was invariably full of hooch. As Mr. Lewis speaks as a pedagogue— is it not a physiological fact that an empty stomach clears the mind by diverting the bloodstream from the necessity of digesting food? And while I am not advocating any fast cures for authors, some of them, although few in astounding stories, would be greatly benefited by trying it. In conclusion, I should like to say to Mr. Lewis and others who take the same slant on reprints, that there are many of the finest writings in science fiction and the classics which you and I have never even heard of. Much less read. I will close with best wishes for your continued success. Joseph R. Barnes, Cache Junction, Utah. Now feeling better. Dear editor, well, I guess I've just about gotten you exasperated with all the brickbats I've been cannoning into your office. However, I believe this letter will make you feel a little better. The latest issue was fine. There wasn't a story in it that I didn't enjoy. THE TENTACLES FROM BELOW WAS A SURPRISINGLY GOOD STORY, ESPECIALLY WHEN YOU CONSIDER THAT I DON'T LIKE SEA STORIES. I LIKED THIS ONE VERY MUCH. ANOTHER EXTREMELY GREAT SURPRISE WAS WEREWOLVES OF WAR. FROM THE FEW NOTES ABOUT IT, I SURMISED THAT IT WAS ANOTHER OF THOSE hero dying and saving his country STORIES. AND IT WAS, BUT NOT THE KIND I EXPECTED IT TO BE. THE AUTHOR'S NARRATIVE AND DESCRIPTIVE ABILITIES WERE SUCH THAT I FORGOT ALL ABOUT THE PLOT RUNNING THROUGH THE STORY. Hang on to that fellow. The other complete story was also good. The conclusion of The Pirate Planet was also good, as were its preceding installments. The first installment of Phalanxes of Atlans was unusual. That's going to turn out to be one of the best stories you've yet published, or I miss my bet. G. Kirshner, Box 301, Temple, Texas. Paper is durable. Dear Editor, while reading the Reader's Corner in your January issue, I noticed a bit of criticism by Edwin Magnuson of Duluth, Minnesota. In it he said that you have printed some stories containing little or no science. But first, most of your readers like a little change in a subject, and I advise one or two of these about two or three months apart. Secondly, the paper is of durable material, for I pass my magazine to my friends who read it, and then return it with very few pages torn. Third. I agree that reprints would be a blessing, for most of your readers have not read stories by Cummings, Brewer, Wells, and Vincent. Fourth, the fact that some stories have not a sound scientific basis is quite all right, because every fair reader likes his stories fired with some imagination. Walter Witt, 960 Duchess Street, St. Paul, Minnesota. Suggestions. Dear Editor, Although I have read every issue of A.S. since it came out, I have never written about it, and this is what I have to say. First, it is just as good or better than two other science fiction magazines that I can name. Second, in my opinion you have some of the best modern authors, such as Cummings, Meek, Rousseau, Diffin, Vincent, and Hamilton, also others. The stories have been a one, with the exception of Murder Madness, which in my opinion does not belong in a magazine of this type but in a detective story magazine, because that is all it was, a detective story. And when are you going to have a sequel to The Grey Plague by L.A. Eschbach, which appeared in the November issue? It deserves one. The best author on your staff is Captain S.P. Meek, whose Dr. Bird stories cannot be equaled. They are science stories plus. A few suggestions, an occasional reprint. It would not affect the living conditions of our present-day authors, and would give us all a chance to read a classic of yesterday. Do not change the size, in other words width and length, but as for enlarging it in the thickness direction, you have my heartiest encouragement. I notice that one of the other magazines has changed its size, so now you are not alone. Evening up the edges of the sheets would improve the looks, however, and now that you have had your first birthday, when are you going to start a quarterly? In it, you could publish a complete book-length novel and seven novelettes. By novel, I mean a story about 100 pages or more of your present size and novelettes 50 pages or more. You could double the price because a quarterly is worth double what a monthly is worth. Your artists are great, but you could still improve by having them make a full-page illustration at the start and one more exciting one as the story progresses. Well, I think I've said enough good things about you. And enough suggestions. So until January nineteen thirty-two, adios, au revoir, etc. Henry Benner, Coweth, Washington. End of part one.